Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. We periodically will take a look behind some of the stories that Champion Magazine has done, give people a better sense and a feel for the story. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to talk with Greg Johnson. Greg is the associate editor of Champion Magazine and did a story back in the fall of 2017 um, about academic advisors and, and calling them the unsung heroes in the college sports world. Greg, welcome to you. I'm delighted to have you here to chat a little bit with you. Thanks for having me on. Let me ask you about the, the selection of that story. You know, as a journalist, what you're going to, in your case, write about, what I'm going to talk about on television is an interesting process. What was it that attracted you as a journalist to this notion of, of academic advisors? Well, this kind of all started when um, I attended a uh, seminar for uh, Division One schools that are limited resource uh, institutions. Uh, most of our fans know about the SEC, the Pac-12, and all the money that those conferences generate. Well, uh, I was in a conference where there are smaller Division One schools, and there happened to be some academic advisors at this conference, and I saw them, their reactions and the emotions as grades were coming in. This was in mid-December, so they were receiving yeah. fall semester grades. It's pressure time for them, and I'm sure. I was just looking around, and it just hit me like, we haven't really captured you know, this part of uh, college athletics since I've worked at the NCAA. Uh, enough. We've written about academic advisors, but I really wanted to get into their world and what it was like. And it just dawned on me that this would be a good chance to show something behind the scenes that most people who follow college sports just don't really think about. I'm gonna, in, in a second, I'm going to take you to the specifics and, and uh, Tennessee State, where this the story took place. And I'll ask you about how you got there. But but first, again, to give um, some, some of our listeners an, an understanding, if they might not be fully familiar with the concept, when we talk about academic advisors within the, the intercollegiate athletics world. What are we talking about? These are the people that uh, they try to make sure that each of the student athletes stay on track to graduate. They talk to them about just daily life skills. They talk to them about like what's going on in your family right now. Uh, notice, you know, you've the grades may not be as good as uh, previous semesters. Uh, they're like almost every part of uh, like what this endeavor is supposed to be about. They're really into the act, the athletics part, but they know the important part, and they're going to stress to these guys that you're not going to be able to play forever. Uh, this is just part of what, who you are, and the most important part of this is to get your degree before you leave here. In the article, in the very beginning of the article, you talk about the fact that these academic advisors, and as you mentioned right now, they wear so many different hats. You say they are, at some point in time, they're, they're acting like parents. At some point in time, they're acting like brothers or sisters. At some point in time, they're acting like psychologists or psychiatrists when we're dealing with these folks, uh, with, with the young people that, that they are guiding. Um, generally, again, big picture, how do these people then train to become academic advisors? What are their own backgrounds that allow them, and, and we'll, we'll get specifically to the folks you profile at Tennessee State, but generally, what are their own backgrounds that allow them to function as? Because that's an interesting grouping, parent yep. slash brother, sister slash psychiatrist. And a lot of it is like you have to read each individual 
uh, person that you're dealing with. And I, from talking with people in the field, um, it's almost, I, I'm trying to equate it to almost like a cab driver or something. Somebody that <laughs> deals with the general public and you're just That's pretty good. That's pretty good analogy, actually. With, yeah. You're having conversations with people and you, you, you really have to listen. I think that's the key part. Uh, you get to know the athletes on your campus. You know when they're feeling good. You know when they're feeling bad. I saw an example. Uh, there was a young track and field uh, woman athlete that came in the day that I happened to be there. And one of the uh, academic advisors at Tennessee State, Kenita Stokes, went up to her. And I was just observing this. And she goes, hey, what's going on today? You know, uh, is there, are there any issues? And they were just going back and forth. And she could tell just by the body language is when this young lady walked in that something was wrong. And I was just amazed because, you know, this is the first time I've met this person, but she knew. So I pulled her aside afterwards, and she goes, yeah, I mean, she's usually really bubbly right away when she comes in. And then the first five minutes, she just wasn't herself. And so she kind of took her to the side, and, you know, they talked over whatever personal issue uh, was going on. And I think it's just reading people and getting to know people. And as you said, that ability to listen, which is so essential in so many other – and I've always thought is sort of an underserved ability, that that idea to listen. You mentioned Tennessee State. Um, Why did you decide to to focus this story, to use Tennessee State as as your locale for the story? There are uh, several reasons for that. Uh, We have a new program that started about five years ago. It's called the Academic – I mean, Accelerated Academic Success Program. And it's a program where uh, limited resource Division One schools can apply for grants. And uh, Tennessee State was in that first group of schools that received Applied a grant. to the NCAA Applied for Applied to the NCAA. And like most things with the NCAA, we have a committee that selects <laughs> the uh, right. winners or who earns these grants. And Tennessee State received a grant for three years for $900,000, so $300,000 a year. And it goes to – they can spend the money any way they want. And what they did was uh, – they renovated a, a dormitory on campus and turned it into, like the second floor of it turned into the academic uh, athletics, mm-hmm. the academic portion for athletics. And they were, previously were in a basement in an older building. And, if and you're location not, can make a difference. Yeah, I mean, in, in how you're not you're dealing to, with people, you yeah. know, and if you're trying to get people to, I would think, I've never done this, but I would just think human nature being what it is, if you're trying to get people to work through their problems and to emerge on the other side, if you're in a, in a dingy, damp, dark basement, you're starting off sort of a, with a, an additional hurdle as opposed to a facility that has some, some light and some brightness, both spiritually and physically. Exactly, and that's what they found. Um, you know, they just didn't have the money to do this renovation until they got the grant, and they put it to good use. Uh, they have a relaxation room that the student-athletes can go to now. They have big study halls. Uh, they have a computer lab with 28 stations. So now you get a sense of privacy. You're not in one big room with everyone else. And not everybody's – that's not conducive to studying for – some of us can handle that. Some people need just total silence. You know, we're all different. So uh, – but it's a place of pride. Um, I can tell when I was there. It's just like uh, these kids have friends that go to other D1s that are bigger or comparable. And they hear like, hey, th- we've got this when we – you know, go study or, you know, when we go work out, our weight room's this big and they send pictures to each other. So 
Now the kids at Tennessee State are like, hey, this is like where we work out. Yeah. This is where we study. This is uh, my academic advisor. And it's a small staff. It's only a staff of five people, and two of them are graduate assistants. So, mm-hmm. And they're handling like around 250 student athletes. So they have to do more with less. You, you focus a bit in the story on, on one of the academic advisors, uh, a fellow by the name of Jeremy Perry. Right? Tell me about his story. I think Jeremy's very unique there. Um, Tennessee State's a unique HBCU, uh, historically black uh, college and university, because they are in a non-HBCU league in the Ohio Valley Conference. So they're the only HBCU in that league. And so that makes them unique in that point. But he can relate to the students on that campus, not only as a former student athlete, but he's a former student athlete at Tennessee State. So he can break things down. Quarterback, captain of the team. Quarterback, uh, two-year starter, captain of the team. And uh, he decided to come back and work in academics uh, because he wanted to have an impact um, on young people's lives. And he was working, uh, I think, for an agency, almost uh, doing the same thing, kind of life skills for pro athletes. And then he's like, he started teaching in high school, and then he decided to go back to his alma mater. They had an opening, and he started talking with the uh, administrators there, and they were like, hey, we'd love to have you back. And now he's uh, just recently been put in charge of the of the whole department there, of the academic services team. And... Uh, you can just see the respect that he commands. Yeah, tell me, tell me about that. As you watched him work, because again, he's not that much older right now yeah. than a lot of these young people that he's advising, and that could be a good thing. It, it could be a, it create it could create difficulties. Um, so, how did you see that that working for him? I think he handles that dual part of the that well. Um, he's definitely more mature than his years. He's in his late twenties. I uh, just got the sense you could see. Uh, luckily, when I was there, I saw some former athletes come back, and people don't always do that unless they're happy and they had a good experience. And they just hap- they didn't know I was going to be there or our photographer, and they just happened to come by. And it was like really cool to see those moments where, hey, Mr. Perry, you know, this is what's going on in my life. I see you're still, you know, he's talking to a freshman and they're like, hey, that used to be me like three years ago, you know, so they can see the growth. Um, He's really got a good, calm demeanor about him. Uh, If I didn't know he was a quarterback, I would have guessed he was a quarterback. You you could just see the leadership skills. Um, They were very apparent, Uh, just very... um, I'd say well-rounded, um, the athletics part of it, you know, he's, you could just, when you talk to him, you know, he's wish he could go back and do it again. But, uh, he also was just one of the, the kids that got it, you know, this, the most important thing here is my, uh, education and, um, he's just a good example for the rest of the students that are coming through there now. I think if you if you raise the notion of academic advisors advisors to to some folks out there who just who don't know what they do, and maybe are not terribly well versed in intercollegiate athletics and and structures within the various institutions, colleges, and universities, uh, my guess is some people would if you said, "And what do you think an academic advisor does?" They would say, "Well, it keeps them eligible." You know, point, points them to, and 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 here is the uh, the more skeptical vision. Probably said, well, points them to the easiest courses to take so they can stay eligible and, and play. Right. Um, for for those of us who lived through it, you know, I was a Division One athlete. Both my children were Division One athletes. Uh, we have a better understanding of that. 
but help uh, the folks who are listening to us right now, help them to understand. You know, we touched base on it a little bit when we said, you know, parent, brother, sister, psychiatrist. But, you know, what's wrong with that notion that says, oh, their job is to keep them eligible? What's the reality? I, um, the sense that I got, that's why I wanted to go to a smaller D1 because these are people, are athletes that aren't going to play professional sports. And I wanted to see that dynamic that you just described. And even at that level, um, most of the kids think they're still going to play at that next level. And they just have to convince It's amazing, them. by the way. Yeah. The studies have shown <laughs> that at every level, Division One, Division Two, yeah. Division Three, a large percentage of, of athletes. And that's probably not a bad yeah. thing as long as they're planning if it doesn't work, but still think that they can go on and play at the next level. And it's it's great to have dreams. And, yeah, it is. And they all think I'm going to be that one. As long one. as they have a fallback. Right? Yeah, right. I'm going to be that one to make it. Right. But their job is just to show you, uh, even if you do make it, you know, at the most, you may play three years in that. And then what are you going to do? You're going to be 25 years old. So it's just that constant harping on, like, these four or five years are going to set you up for the rest of your life of, like, what you you need to figure it out. And the thing that I found at uh, Tennessee State, they're, they try to be really realistic with these kids. Like, if they feel like somebody's overextending themselves academically, they'll tell them, hey, you need to pull back the reins a little bit. I mean, you got to think about um, – you know, all the hours that you are spending uh, with your sport, is this really, like, the best route? Like, there, it goes both ways, you know. You don't want to— nice to be ambitious, yeah, but sometimes you have to yeah, be realistic, and, and you don't need to take seven courses this yeah. semester. You know, let's spread it out a little bit, that and type one of the thing. thing. Yeah, one of the things with the grant, they have more kids going through summer school now to help pay for that also. So, you know, they took some of the kids on a uh, study abroad trip to Germany, uh, like 20 uh, student athletes went. And before, they didn't have the money to do that. And so... Money or opportunity or inclination. But with it coming from the institution itself, saying this is an important element of what you're going to experience here. And now, thanks to the NCAA, we've got some money. You know, let's take a trip abroad. Yeah. And it's... uh, And now they've got other people that, you know, the, the people that went come back and tell their friends on the team. And now everybody's like, hey, I want to go to that next time we do it. So they're... Talking about doing another trip here in the future, uh, similar to the, their trip to Germany. But, um, you know, like with their staff, I remember our Precious Bailey. She's one of the academic advisors there. And she's told me, like, I, I'm, I'll be starting with them. You know, like you really need to uh, buckle down on this class right now or you're not going to be playing. Like, you know, sometimes you got to give them the tough love and they know who to hug. They know who to you know, give a little kick in the pants at times. It's just like a coach. Um, or a parent for that Yeah, matter. or a parent. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know when to hug them and yeah. you know when to, to lean a little bit. Right? And it's definitely a family atmosphere at Tennessee State. Uh, I met a lot of the coaches while I was there, and uh, they tell me, you know, we know the kind of kids we're getting. They may not come from the best academic backgrounds to be prepared for college, so the academic advisors are very important because a lot of their kids are first-generation college uh, students. So they have a program where they try to bring the freshmen in just to have them get up on time. Uh, You need to be here. Uh, Go find this building on campus. Like, just work on just different skills. So by the time the fall semester starts, you know, you're you're just more acclimated to what you're going to be dealing with. Because if you're a first-generation college kid, you don't really know, like, what you're stepping into in this academic world. Um, And 
those are the kind of kids that they're dealing with. And uh, a lot of the HBCUs have struggled with our uh, academic progress rate. And a lot of, you know, there's a lot of factors for that, but a lot of it could just be, um, you know, they don't have the funding, they don't have the staff to give individual attention. Uh, maybe those kids didn't come in with the best uh, background for um, for their academics, and they're learning on the fly. And uh, sometimes you just got to be patient and and build these things uh, slowly. And now uh, Tennessee State, since they received the grant, their accumulative their cumulative GPA went from two point one to three point one in their athletics department in about a three four year span. So, and and, and you think from your in reporting and what you've seen that that this program, the academic advisors and the the uh, the influence they have. Uh, and the, the financial wherewithal now that they've given as a result of this grant, you think that is, is definitely one of the reasons for that improvement? It looks that way for me on the outside. Um, I went there twice. I made two visits. And um, I really wanted to see the academic advisors do their job, like, real time. And that's why I made the second trip uh, in September of this year. And just to see the the real interaction, because I was like, okay, this looks like a family affair mm-hmm. right here. But mm-hmm. and I do, I mean, I was really glad when I saw those the kids that had graduated come back. Um, and you saw that you saw that you saw the the young people responding to them because a lot of times you would think somebody would say, oh, I got to go meet with my advisor. You know, it's kind of a it's like I got to go to the dentist. You know, yeah. I have to go do it. Did you see the young people really responding to these academic? I mean, you, you see all of the sides. You know, there's always going to be, you know, you have your good days and bad days. Right. Like, yeah, I got to go to study hall. Right. I'm right. here, right. and that's where you play the role of, uh, you know, those different roles where you go over and talk to them. Like, hey, you know, let's get the job done today. Didn't look like you're too happy right now, but, you know, maybe you had a tough practice the day before, or maybe you had a, a tough test, or maybe something's going on at home that you need to talk to somebody about. Um, it's just a, a, a this living, breathing thing. It's just uh, every day is different uh, for them. And uh, to me, that would be exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to know that, hey, I've got to be on my toes because I don't... And really I can have a direct gonna... impact on, yeah. on people. Last question for you, Greg. As a journalist, as you know, you, you start working on a story. You're never entirely sure where it's going to take you. Uh, and sometimes at the end, once you've finished a story, you step back and you, something something surprises you. Was there anything that you can point to here that says once this story was was over and done and reported and written... Um, what do you think surprised you the most? Well, I originally just went into this uh, thinking I was going to write about, like, when the semester grades come in, um, like, how does the academic – is this kind of like your your NCAA tournament or your Super Bowl or your – and the thing that I found was it's like the biggest day for us is when we see them walk across the stage and get the diploma. And it hit me that, hey – yeah, that would be like in this role that that would be the ultimate. That yeah, we, that's uh, your that's your Super yeah, Bowl. That we got them all the way through. Um, there were some bumps in the road, but uh, especially with the kids that some of those kids uh, that come in uh, that go like, "Hey, I'm just here to play my sport," and that's all they know. And you convince them that, "Hey, you can leave here and be set, or at least started on the rest of your life." 
Well, it was a it was a marvelous, revealing, and compelling story, and a, a sort of um, pulling back the curtain on what's going on and the value of these academic advisors. As you said, the unsung heroes in many ways in terms of the world of intercollegiate sports. Greg Johnson, associate editor of Champion Magazine. Greg, thanks so much Thank for spending you. some time chatting with us. We appreciate it. I appreciate to have me on. Does it for this episode of College Sports Insider, presented by the NCA and Champion Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back to talk with you real soon. Thanks.